Welcome to Sony Show with Kevin Clark. I am Kevin Clark. Yes, sir. Uh, we got Brian Curtis, NFL Talk, College Talk. It is the exact thing I want out of Slow News Fridays. I love this conversation. Here's Brian. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, joined now by Brian Curtis, editor-at-large at The Ringer, host of the Press Box podcast, one of the best media writers on the planet. Uh, what's going on, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. Do I need to do the intro we do on the podcast where I say your name in a particular way? Because I had Waz on the other day, and he's like, well, you didn't do it. And I was like, do what? And he didn't say my name. So do I need to say, Kevin? Is this is this is this like a uh, it's your trademark now? It's like Gallagher with the watermelon. You just have to do it, or else everybody's all pissed off. I have one bit. That's all I got. I've uh, I don't have a bit at this point, um, but I, I aspire to one day have a bit. Um, we're going to talk a handful of NFL topics and college topics. I'm going to start with Jeff Saturday, which was the biggest story of the NFL week, one of the biggest of the season. My initial read on this was. Jim Mercer does wacky stuff and he's doing something wackier. And I didn't think in the first 30 seconds when I saw the Schefter tweet, the verified Schefter tweet um, before the, 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 uh, the fake verified Schefter tweets later in the week. Um, but I didn't think you could draw any grand conclusions about the league from Jim Irsay, who is probably the weirdest owner in the league, just calling up Jeff Saturday on a Sunday and being like, what the hell is going on with the protection? By the way, do you want to coach us? It's very like 1950s, 1960s when you hear these stories of an owner just being like, well, why don't I coach the team? I mean, like, it's just very, um, his dad fired someone at one point during halftime. Like, it's a very old school, like no one's watching, nobody cares, league office isn't going to step in kind of move. It's ludicrous. I think it's a completely different conversation if they make him the head coach next year versus just experimenting for the next eight games. And I, I actually think, and I'm just, I'm just spitballing here, but I would not be surprised if the person who has more to lose next year, as far as Jeff Saturday's presence, would be somebody in the front office. Because it would make sense, being a consultant, that Jeff Saturday would go in, see what's going on with the team for eight games, and then get kicked upstairs, rather than Jeff Saturday, who has only coached nine games at a high school, a Dacula high school um, gets a full-time NFL job next year. Um, what did you think about this? What did you think of, of, of the narratives that came out of this? And um, are you as uh, embarrassed as I am to, to, uh, to have to sort of parse through Jim Irsay's trash? Well, first of all, one detail about that amazing phone call was that Irsay called Saturday about the Colts game. And it was like, can you believe the protection issues we're having? And according to Zach Kiefer's piece in The Athletic, Jeff Saturday was not watching the game. 
<laughs> he had bailed on the Colts game, <laughs> um, which itself is kind of telling. You're in the Colts ring of honor, and that wasn't on your TV grid anywhere. That's hilarious. Um, does that what is that what got Ursay to hire him? Just like, A, we need him to start watching the games again, but B, like, he's so cool he doesn't need us kind of thing. Like, if he yeah. was locked in and was like, I've got some notes, Ursa would be totally unimpressed. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. One thing that stuck out to me about this was owners have a very long history of being seduced by people they see on TV and yeah. hiring coaches and GMs on TV. I mean, Saturdays, at least in ESPN studio shows, where sometimes he's in a debate or he's being pressed by the host, a lot of these guys are in the booth. And your job in the booth is not to be in an argument. It's for the play-by-play announcer to defer to you. Their right. job is to make you look smart. You know, when Kevin Burkhart was calling games with John Lynch, he didn't say, John, you're completely full of shit. You're wrong. You're, you're drawing something on the telestrator there that's stupid. He, he set him up to look good. And then John Lynch goes and gets a GM job. So to me, part of this is like, did you hear Ursay say it at the press conference? I was a broadcast journalism major. <laughs> well, that was also, wait, let's unpack this. Wasn't that also in record? The question was, what's with the, what, how are you obeying the Rooney rule? And, and he started out. It was about ethics and sports writing. That's what it turned yeah, out to be. That's what he like. When, when you start, and then the answer was completely nonsense. It goes like, yeah, I understand you guys have editors. And it's like, what? What, the, sir? The question was, are you going to? And which is an extremely <laughs> valid question. And but uh, the interim coaches are not under the same rules as as the Rooney Rule. But obviously, if if they're trying to give Jeff Saturday an, a Saturday an audition for next year, like it is it, in violation, I think, of the spirit of the Rooney Rule. If you've yes. already made your decision, if you're giving Jeff Saturday runway to fail, so I think that that that. That was an amazing. I was a broadcast journalism major as the opener to to the answer about Rooney Rule compliance uh, was something special. And it was interesting to read the columns after that press conference because everybody was mad at Jim Irsay. Everybody was kind of mad at Chris Ballard. But a lot of people said, you know, Jeff Saturday kind of won that press conference. Yeah. And that's the TV quality I'm talking about. I think it's like, oh, he can go up there and woo a room full of sports writers by saying, bro, I spent 14 years in the locker room, all that stuff. <laughs> That's, I think, what Jim Ursay is paying for or or paying for on an interim basis is, look, this season may be completely screwed. My, I may have to fire my GM after the season, but I'm going to go in here and get a guy that's at least going to get the sports writers off my back for a few days. <laughs> okay, two things. Number one, Ian Rapport was on this show bef- uh, as on Wednesday, the guest before you, and he basically said, imagine... Saturday is kind of the Bob's from office space where he's always been Ursay's eyes and ears. Now he's going to come in and just sort of give Ursay, Hey, this guy can play. This guy's a locker room cancer, whatever, that kind of thing. Um, as Jeff Saturday as corporate spy makes more sense than Jeff Saturday as head coach for the next 10 years. The other win this is, is for the message board guys and the talk radio callers. And then like the fringe local columnists whose default to every head coaching crisis is the former hero with no experience. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, Billy Napier doesn't look like he has it down in Gainesville. Radical idea. We bring in Tebow. You know, like that, <laughs> that guy 
I this love is that such guy. a huge win. Like I saw a couple people actually, I, like fans who were like, like Tex Ags has been saying Johnny Manziel should be the OC for like five years, I guess. Oh my God. And like, what a win Jeff Saturday would be for those guys who are just like, let's get Manziel off the golf course and into the Jimbo staff right now. Like this is, <laughs> this is such a great flashpoint for, for those guys who just, their answer to everything is let's hire the former hero. And by the way, and then people made this point. If it was Peyton Manning and not Jeff Saturday, I think people would get into it. <laughs> Remember the apex mountain of this? If I can use our trademark oh, phrase I, here. At the I, I, I know exactly you what know you're going to say. You have Jason went to the University of Tennessee, baby. It's going to save the program. Wasn't the report that was like week 10 and the report was like Jason Witten is ready to walk out on the Cowboys and take the Tennessee <laughs> job. Excuse me, what? That was amazing. Amazing. Big win for message board guy. Huge, huge win for message board guys in every single sport. Um, although, you know, if Steve Nash was kind of the original Jeff Saturday. You think about That's it. That's true. Um, all right. Let's start with the commanders. So the news here is that uh, they're being sued by the local government, um, which I think at some point, all of these things run together as kind of under the, the, the more heat under Daniel Snyder umbrella. Hiring the bankers was the big step. That was the Rubicon crossing. Um, the Mary Jo White report will be the most significant thing when it happens. The Ursay comments, by the way, what a, what a two-week run for Ursay it was um, before he was revealed to be uh, the weirdest owner in sports. <laughs> Can we just spend 10 seconds saying maybe it wasn't a great idea to call Jim Ursay a hero <laughs> for a week? His week of badassery, as I read on Twitter. That was kind of a weird right. horse to back. That, that, anyway. that era is over. Um, but I do think he's going to sell the team. I think it's over. I think that there's just too much, too much heat on him. And, and this almost, unless there's some sort of smoking gun in the investigation from the local government, this almost is uh, un- unnecessary, I guess you would say, um, just because I, I don't think it's going to last that much longer. Jay Glazer's report is he'll get $7 billion by March. I think Daniel Snyder's okay with that arrangement. It can't really be sped up. Um, they released a statement last night that was as unbelievable as anything I've ever seen released from a team. In fact, I think that Dan Gilbert was the last like awful team statement. And essentially what it was, was <laughs> so there's a press conference from the local government, the, the attorney general, um, the DC attorney general, and their, their, their command, their, their, uh, the commander's response was uh, to bring up the fact that a 23 year old player on their team, Ryan Robinson, uh, was shot multiple times in broad daylight and that the attorney general is not doing enough on crime and is instead worried about the commanders, which is terrible. They had to apologize. Jason Wright had to come out and apologize for the statement pretty quickly. Uh, Ron Rivera had to talk to the team about it. He had to give a team talk, um, which by the way, Ron Rivera loves. I love Ron Rivera. I've had, I've had some great interactions with him. He loves like the I've addressed this with the team note because every time there's like a problem with dan snyder like ron rivera's entire deflection is well talk to the team about it like that's that's it that's all you really can do um and then robinson's agent came out and said that this is they've handled everything with class until this very moment uh is this the worst statement you've ever seen yes 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 it reminded me and i don't want to get political here kevin but it reminded me of a losing midterm campaign. Yeah. Where 
you're just failing on every possible level. And so you pivot to crime and say, but what about the crime? What about all this crime? Uh, Ryan, Ryan Nanny had a, had a great tweet yesterday that basically said that, that uh, before the game, Snyder's going to lead everybody in a chant of uh, what about Brett Favre? <laughs> <laughs> what are you looking like, at me what, for? What is the constituency for this statement? So it's commanders fans in D.C. who are still pro Snyder, as unbelievable as that is, but are concerned about crime, quote unquote, in Washington. Also, didn't not to get not to get political. Didn't we find out in the midterms the crime stuff doesn't really work? Yeah, it was the crime deflection doesn't necessarily. <laughs> so it's somebody who, like a day later was like, I didn't really see the exit polls. So I'm just going to keep going with this. What about crime thing? It was it was truly unbelievable. So it reminded me, I was thinking about all-time deflections, and I don't know why. We, You and I both have a lot of stupid stuff in our brain, and we wish, listen, listener, we wish we could get it out, but it's just there. And uh, I thought about Rick Pitino. Do you remember this? When he was giving his press conference about his huge sex scandal in the late 2000s, and he kept saying, you guys are here and, and grilling me on this, on the day Ted Kennedy died. Oh my God. Do you remember this? And he kept being like, you guys are lying, lying on me. You guys are lying about me. And Ted Kennedy died. You guys don't have anything better to do? Like Ted, Ke- like the Louisville, like the guy who does Louisville's basketball coverage for the Courier Journal is like, <laughs> oh, you know, I would, I would go cover this massive right. scandal with the, with the basketball coach, but we got to do a, a Ted Kennedy open. <laughs> by the way, like what, the papers in Kentucky put Ted Kennedy's death on above the fold. I don't think he's not a Kentucky senator. Did they call the national desk and say, we got to get something going here. Got to get a big obit. We're not going to take something off the wires for this one. I forgot about the pivot to Ted Kennedy. That might be the worst deflection in sports history. It didn't work either. Or second worst after this week. It didn't week. work. I mean, I just, there's a lot of those where it's just like, well, what, what about this? And it just doesn't. It doesn't work. Um, how do we think this this commander's thing plays out? Um, I think, like you said, I think it's a slow term thing. With I think a lot of little moments that happen between yeah. now and the eventual sale. Um, and I and I'm I'm with you. I'm imagining this movie like commanders war room where <laughs> there's a PR agent who's making way too much money who probably has served in at least one or maybe two presidential administrations. Going, you know what yeah. we need to do here is change the subject. And maybe we get two or three more failed efforts to change the subject. Yeah. That's how it's going to go. Uh, I like the genre. And this happens every single time a team is for sale. The celebrities are buzzed about. And this actually happened. I don't know if you saw it. Ryan Reynolds is number one candidate for new Sen- Ottawa Senators owner. And he had to come out and say... You know, I don't have the money for that, right? <laughs> like, even it's a hockey team and it's Ryan Reynolds who has Deadpool money and all sorts of different things, but he still doesn't have it's not just about having the cash to buy it, it's about having to run it and float it and all that stuff. You're, you're gonna need a little more than just that your net worth being what the team it, it costs. Like, you're not gonna sell it off all your, all your assets. 
And so Ryan Reynolds, I saw a quote the other day. He basically said, I need, I need sugar daddy or mommy money, right? He needs someone to, as a charitable effort, say, here's a bunch of money, Ryan Reynolds, go buy the senators and I'll be the, I'll be the money person. I mean, like, you know, Magic Johnson had that a little bit with the, with the Dodgers where he got to be the face of the, of, of ownership for a little bit. And we've seen, we've seen it before. We've seen it a million times, but franchise values keep going up. So it's usually buzzed about, oh, Jeff Bezos could get in this, or oh, this this huge fan of a team could, get, could who's famous and an actor could get on this, and then it ends up being like a Walmart error or some guy who makes bumpers, <laughs> a really rich, really boring business person, right? Buys the team, right? But I love how we report it as news when anybody says they want to own an NFL team. So my first, I so Russell Wilson came came to the WSJ a couple years ago. And he said he wanted to own an NFL team in my interview. And I did not think anything of it. And then the next day, it was the leading story on ESPN, like their news item was Wilson wants to own a franchise. You know who wants to own a franchise? Me and you, because that means we have billions of dollars to do it. And that also means that we like, you know, have a very cool asset. Everybody wants to own a franchise. Yes. You see these headlines all the time. That's like, oh, so-and-so really has their eye on franchise ownership. No shit, man. <laughs> I would like to own a $7 billion money printing machine. Yeah. And also like, <laughs> so like Peyton Manning has his eye on ownership. Yeah. But like the franchise values are really high. Peyton Manning can't buy a team anymore. This is in the seventies. There was an Eli Manning news cycle last week. Eli yeah. Manning would own an NFL team under the right circumstances. Yeah. Me, under the right too. circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I would um, own several under the right so circumstances. You're not, you're not super jazzed about the Bezos. First of all, there's a skepticism around the league now that Bezos would even get the team because Dana Snyder hates the Washington Post, which is very funny. And yes. there's going to be enough people who bid six to seven million dollars that he might just take a haircut and just give it to someone, unless he gets control wrestled from him. Um, he may just take a haircut just to to give it to somebody who doesn't own the Washington Post. But the the Matthew McConaughey. Jay-Z, Jeff Bezos. Is that, has Kevin, Kevin, Durant Kevin Durant been linked to that? He's in, we, okay, yeah. I, I, did, I, I could have easily, I know he's a Commanders fan. I could have easily just imagined that, but it just seems like the kind of thing you throw in there. Like, that was also a news cycle this week. Kevin Durant would be interested in owning an NFL team. I, I just need to know one thing, right? And like, have these four people ever been on like the same group chat? I'm not even going to be on a Zoom. Like, have they ever communicated at the same time? Because if you're going to report that there's some dream team, get, and also, by the way, why does Jeff Bezos need three famous people to invest? <laughs> you kick That's in a little cash. That's the last person you need. Yeah, I don't need any more owners. I, I got this. <laughs> I'm all good. <laughs> I'm all set. It's just so funny. The 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 news cycles. And by the way, this actually now is the lock of the century that those four guys will be will oh. be the owners, like in one yeah. week's time, and people get to to recirculate this. But no, I just I I I think it's hilarious. I think it's it, all of these things are always intensely boring. It's a bunch of people you've never heard of who have this money. I'm all set. I mean, like the other thing is like NFL ownership, they want they would they would have, I mean Bezos would be interesting because he broadcasts a uh, a game which you know nobody who owns CBS I mean obviously CBS used to own the Yankees and stuff like that and and Disney owned two teams in Anaheim 20 years ago but the NFL is just a different animal in that regard as far as the broadcast stuff goes um all right I want to ask about Brady and Rogers because both of them Rogers is on a clear decline and I don't think it's improving Brady righted the ship the other day um but he's He's going to be in the Super Bowl booth 
this year. Like, I don't think people understand. He's going to be doing Super Bowl stuff this year unless they make the Super Bowl, which they won't. Um, how do you think these guys are covered now? Um, is it different knowing, like, I, I don't want to do the, the new media thing, but these guys are basically have one foot in the door of media. I don't feel like when there's a decline, there's the same sort of nostalgia. Maybe it's because they've, they've hung on for, for 10 years longer than the generation above them, the Dan Marino sort of generation. I mean, Tom Brady's 45 years old. I don't feel there's this kind of, you know, oh, Willie Mays falling down in the outfield with Shea Stadium <laughs> kind of stuff. Like, I just feel like we're just kind of like, oh, this is over. Like, there's no, you, there's no poetry anymore about the old guy, which I'm totally fine with. Well, with both of them, everybody got burned. Right. Because they right. were done at various times over the last five years. And then both of them turned out to be very not done. So I think all the elegy you know, dying of the light, you know, one last roundup. <laughs> here we go. Which you and I've read that sports story 1000 times, probably just got put on hold because everybody was scared to write it. Right. And now right. you're in this. Tom Brady's in his own very, very weird zone, which is bigger than the Bucks not being very good. Rodgers is more in the standard decline. Also, by the way, in his very weird zone, <laughs> just to read his public comments. <laughs> I'd say. The announcer part of it is fascinating because we know Brady's next career, we think, and we probably know Aaron Rodgers' next career. Aaron Rodgers feels like he's going to be an announcer to me. It feels but like he's he going to be Is somewhere. he going to do it? But is it going to be, you know next to Iron Eagle or, or is it more going to be like, you know, a Rogers cast type of deal, or is he just going to be, I mean, I could see him as part of like the Amazon pregame show just from his basement in, in California. I could see any and all of those. Um, yeah. He seems like to me, a guy, you know, is he going to want to do like an Omaha productions kind of thing? I could totally see him just going and working for Fox, especially with what the money is this day, maybe on a pregame show. Why? why if, I'm going to do a windhorse here. Why Fox? <laughs> just just throwing it what out are you there. implying just throwing <laughs> it out there you know may have an opening everybody's getting a little old on fox nfl sunday no 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 connection at all um i also think aaron Rodgers may actually really want to do this yeah like he, i think he, wants, he likes his voice being out there yeah you think you've talked to him a few times i think you've benefited from that uh quality of aaron Rodgers a couple of times in print. don't know what you're talking about that's just dogged <laughs> reporting brother has nothing the, to do with anything the Brady thing is fascinating to me, too, because he's usually Mr. Magnanimous outside of calling his team's effort embarrassing this week. But yeah. look, he's going to have, I think, the Jordan transformation, if not quite as as extreme, where right now he's the GOAT. He's playing. There's no yeah. reason for Tom Brady to pick a fight with Zach Wilson. There's just there's right. no there's no good in that. But as soon as you retire and Patrick Mahomes wins another Super Bowl or two and everybody starts going, oh. Sure, are we sure Tom Brady is the best of all time. I think your mindset changes a little bit. And Tom Brady's never going to be light him up guy on TV, but he could be a little more critical. I think that kind of messes with you, especially if you're a competitive guy. So there's a difference between the two. Tom Brady is famous for going up to the practice squad guy and saying, Hi, I'm Tom. You know, people have written this story and just, you know, hey, how you doing? Here's my. I, mean, I don't think it's as there was an offensive lineman a couple of months ago who i forget which one tristan Worfs maybe who said he still didn't have tom brady's cell phone number and then tom had to make it a social post whatever it's not like he's gonna invite everybody over to the home but he does you know extend a hand i think aaron Rodgers' future in media is to play the shack role of just like 
I'm sorry. I, I wasn't familiar with your game. Like, I don't know this guy. I don't like the way this guy plays kind of like, <laughs> I think Tom Brady's going to overwork. And I think Roger's going to shoot from the hip and be very funny. I would say like, I mean, I think that there's, there's been some reaction you saw at the beginning of last NBA season where like Shaq wouldn't do his homework on a guy and the guy would be all pissed off or, or kind of taken aback. And then Twitter would try to get mad at Shaq. And then we just realized that nobody cared and everybody kind of liked Shaq, you know, like, Oh, actually that's funny. It's funny. Television, whatever. Yeah, I don't, I don't want Shaq bit. watching 90 I don't hours. Watch basketball. I don't, I don't need Shaq to become Chris Collinsworth all of a sudden. Like I'm good. I like Shaq on television. Like, I feel like Aaron Rodgers could be in more of that, of that role where it's just like, mm. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna let it rip. Kinda. I've heard people questioning Brady as an announcer. Cause they say, you know, Tom Brady's not funny. Is Tony Romo funny? <laughs> Troy Aikman funny? Also, I, sorry, not to is step this anybody's a new rule? toes here? I know somebody is, are the people who are considered funny on sports TV funny? <laughs> they're 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 funny for sports TV. Yeah. Yes. And sometimes not even that. So yeah, I, I think I think the bar here is probably lower, perhaps than some people think. I will say this: I was watching with uh, my aunt, my aunt and uncle, one two one of my aunts and one of my uncles. Uh, I was watching the Commanders Bears game a couple months ago in DC, and anytime any broadcaster, Al, Chris, anybody would make a joke about how bad the game was, hundred percent laughter rate in the room. Really? Yeah, I just think the bar is lower to laugh when it just seemed when it's like Al Michaels and it, they're paying $80 million per game. And it's like, we're just going to just subtly hint to you that we're not enjoying this. <laughs> that I think is a win for, mm-hmm. for, for the, for the casual audience of which we are not. Yeah. Al's, Al's been, Al's been making them laugh with that it. naughty, naughty little line about the game for a long time. That's, I love works for it. I, I love Al Michaels. I love that. I mean, I, I the, the amount of people. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is great. I think Richard Sherman is really good. Andrew Whitworth is 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 an A plus. Like, and I think Herb Street. I don't know. I, like, he'll get there. Like, I was talking to Jimmy Train about this yesterday. Like, I don't think people understand the gravitas that Kirk Herbstreit has on the college side. They, I think he can yes. get on the NFL side. And my joke is always like, and, and I've said this to you before, but like, if I'm in my living room in Orlando and I'm on fire, and literally just like screaming please just get like a bucket of water to my parents and herb street is on television like breaking down marcus freeman's last four games i've got no chance like my, my mom's like would you pipe down he might do napier after this herbie's making a point <laughs> whoa whoa, so, whoa. Like, so like i i that that can translate at some point it doesn't happen overnight but it, it does at some point um anyway let's let's speaking of herbie let's 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 get on texas tcu want to be more active this summer sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards tennis rackets to fishing tackle and if that doesn't float your boat we also have pool floats sierra let's get moving to your local store like now go when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
TCU is undefeated. They've got oh. a nice group of speedy players, but a lot of questions. Um, how do you see this playing out? And where is Texas right now? This pulls me in two very amazing directions because I went to the University of Texas. I root for the University of Texas, but I grew up in Fort Worth. Mm. So I was kind of a non-fan attendee at a bunch of Horn Frog games. Yeah, I was at that with UCF. It's funny, right? Yeah. So it does feel like your whole life is kind of being put together. I, I still remember going to a game where TCU beat Texas for the first time in like 100 years. And they were getting to go to a bowl game, the Independence Bowl. This was like the apex yeah. of TCU football. And I remember two old guys in Texas accents sitting right in front of me, and they turn to each other, and they go, well, I guess we're going to Sleazeport. <laughs> I love that joke, Sleazeport. Like, yeah, we're going to Sleazeport playing that. Hell yeah. In that Independence I, didn't know, bowl. I didn't know Shreveport had such a reputation. And Fort Worth, apparently it did. Um, my My take on this game is, are we playing one half of football? In which case, I'm taking Texas. I'll take giving you the points, whatever. Are we playing two halves of football? Because the Steve Sarkeesian era has been about owning the first half and then utterly falling apart in the second, which Texas almost did against Kansas State in their last game. Um, right. Texas is a weird, weird football team. I think TCU is extremely beatable. I keep waiting for them to look mortal. And And by the way, they're another team. Their bit has been the opposite. Let's get yeah. way down in the second half and then roll back in the fourth quarter and be like, yeah, that was easy. Just like we drew it up. So um, I would say that I'm semi-confident, but Texas minus seven feels like a huge, huge number to me. I agree. I think Texas will win. Um, I, 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 would, I would bet Texas. I'm going to stay away, but if you made me bet, it would be Texas. Um, TCU is a little banged up, especially with some of the dominant skill guys. Um, and also just at some point, like Texas has a lot more talent. They've put it together in a handful of games this year and in a meaningful way. I, I like this Longhorns team. And I actually am starting to buy into Sark a little bit there. Not just the Arch Manning stuff, but some of the recruiting momentum yep. is real. I think you and I were both a little bit kind of eye-rolly Last year, when Brian Kelly goes to LSU, Lincoln Riley goes to USC, Mario Cristobal goes to Miami, and it's sort of like you can get these guys now for lots of money, and Texas has better resources than anybody, and they went out and they got Sark, who, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay, that's weird. Um, but I feel like over the past couple of months, I feel better about this whole thing. I want to ask about Texas's relationship, because they're playing TCU, with the rest of the Texas schools, knowing this is all going to end. And I, I'm, I'm a huge critic of conference realignment, because I just think College football is so cultural. Yes. And I really do think that if Texas wins the SEC in four years, that there's going to be a part of you and, a, you know, a lot of the, I don't even think it's old school people, anybody who, who watches football now, and they're saying, wait a second, we didn't get to go into Lubbock and beat their ass. We didn't, we, you know, we didn't well, get to do Yeah, whatever. <laughs> no, I'm just saying if Texas is actually good, like, I just think, I couldn't even imagine what I just like. I went to the Miami Virginia Tech game this year. Horrible game. Horrible game. And a team stink. Both of them. They got probably four NFL players in the entire between the 160 of the guys who were on those both sidelines. But the stadium was full and it was loud. Everybody loved it. And everybody could just sit there and remember 
all the great times these two uniforms have been on the field at the same time, and it's been amazing. And if you replace that if they with Purdue and it's a terrible <laughs> game, I feel no affiliation towards that game. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? The same exact game, same exact record, same exact talent level. But I'm just going to sit there and be like, I don't care about Miami-Purdue. I don't care about this game. I care about the teams we've been playing for 20 years. So how are Texas fans processing this? And how are Texas schools that aren't going to be in the SEC processing this? I feel fall is the only time when you and I get to do college smack talk against everybody, especially our pals from the Ivy League. Because yeah, I will say this. I don't get to do a lot of, I get to do a lot of, hey, I'm drinking a beer watching my alma mater, but I definitely don't get to do any smack talk. Yeah, but but even just on the grounds of what you said, like my whole existence in college was going to football games in the fall. I went to Texas pretty much primarily so I could watch football games and having these teams that were a couple hours down the road playing them every year and being dude. And I know you had this feeling, too, at Miami, so scared about losing to them. That's what I feared. It wasn't, yeah, after the game, if we beat them, I was happy. Yeah, your school sucks, man. But I was so scared of how I would feel if we lost to Texas Tech, Texas A&M, Baylor, TCU, any of them, any of them. That was, it was just this horrible fear. And by the way, that's what made college special. That's what I loved about it. So this idea, and yeah, we're still going to play Oklahoma and all that stuff, but like, and I guess Texas A&M again now in a roundabout way in the SEC, but like, the absence of that with the Texas techs of the world, with the Baylors of the world, that's going to suck. Completely agree. This, uh, my, you, you've had a lot of worst nightmares in Texas fandom. Our worst nightmare was when we lost, when Miami lost to USF because <sighs> there were all of these teams. And, and then eight, nine years later, they lost to FIU, which was an even bigger apocalypse, Mm. but you can't lose to those sort of teams because the whole joke is like Miami is no longer a power program, all that stuff. They're no better than UCF. Miami's two and zero against UCF, but no better than USF, no better than FIU. And then they play and there's a proof of concept. That's real bad. (laughs) That is real bad. (laughs) And you have all these advantages in recruiting and marquee and whatever. I will say you mentioned the feeling. We joked about this last year after the Kansas game, after Texas lost to Kansas. God, for me, the, the sh- biggest shock to the system is when you think you're numb to it and you're just like, I'm, I'm good. I know, like, especially under Manny Diaz, Al Golden, I'm like, I know what this team is. I have no more capability to get any more further hurt than I was a month ago, whatever. The first couple losses sting, but I'm good. And then enters into your life like Kansas for you last year, like FIU, losing to Louisiana Tech in a bowl game, stuff like that where this year for me, for Duke and Middle Tennessee, where you, where there's two shocks. The first is we lost. The second is I can still feel this wounded over a team that I don't like watching. Totally, totally right. Why am I so angry right now? Because <laughs> I just turned off the game. My kids are here. My wife's here. Happy. Everything's going great. And I'm like, I'm so pissed off right now. Yeah. Yeah, And it's only college. I don't get that pissed off about the Cowboys or any pro team I root for. But college football pisses me off at that level. I have one problem, and you might have it too, especially since you're out, you're in the non-Texas world now. Um, I haven't lived in Miami since I, I left school. Most of my friends, most of the people I know in media, don't know a ton of Miami people. 
In fact, I'd say most of my circle know me and Mike Ryan. And so I become the guy they check in with. Like Saturday night, Florida State's losing by Florida State's beating us by 28. And people are people are tweeting at me, people are texting me because it's not like, you know, I'm a, a Gator fan or some team where there's just this huge national fan base. It's like, oh, Miami's losing. Let's fuck with Kevin Clark. That's that is that being a fan of a, a, a school with 9,000 students on campus all the time actually ends up hurting in that regard. Is you, you become you become the guy that all your friends text to pile onto. You'll notice on Saturday night, I texted you before the game started about who the announcers were going to be. And then I did a little check in in the third quarter, like, hey, you watching this BAM LSU game? Because it's actually pretty good. I didn't say a thing. I didn't ask. I didn't, I didn't mention Miami. See, I know how to handle this. As you were, because you're a good, you're a good friend. Um, no, but you know the feeling. You wouldn't go, oh, "Hey, yes. what about those Longhorns getting blown out?" Yeah, man, I know. Thanks. <laughs> I, don't need, I don't. I don't need an update. There are people. I had like legitimate re- reply guys who were always in my mentions who would who were just like coming at me at that, and I was like, "I'm, you're done, buddy. Time to go. Like, I don't want to see. I, you're annoying. <laughs> you me. gave him the heave. You're, you're done. I gave. I muted him. I didn't. I don't. I've never blocked anybody, but like. Why are you annoying me? Stop annoying me. Go some. Go stand somewhere else, as John Tortorella once famously said to, to, to Larry Brooks at a press conference. Go stand somewhere else. Uh, Jimbo. Oh Last thing God. I want to get into. This turns me into message board guy. This is unbelievable of- because it's also a Texas story because the way they're there and Texas got the best offensive line class in the history of recruiting last year. So it's not like they're not getting their fair share, but the amount of talent they got last year. And by the way, Texas A&M just lost a five-star linebacker decommitted. And I think his first visits to Texas, something to keep an eye on. Um, but man, it is really funny that they had, I think it was two. I think the class before the number one class was seventh. And so this idea, I was listening to a podcast this week where somebody was like, well, wait till that class, the class they just that just came in, wait till they become sophomores and juniors to make a decision. They've already got a ton of five stars on the roster. They've already got a ton of four stars and you should not be this bad. And so I don't know, I don't know what happens here. Texas A&M can't necessarily do better when you think about the recruiting aspect of it. You Somebody needs to be honest with Jimbo and just say, you need an offensive coordinator, but then when you get to give these contracts out, they become the de facto school president. And it was all set up, right? The offseason feud with Saban, which was such a rallying cry in Aggie Land, right? We got him, you know. We got him. We're we're the cutting edge. It's like a pol- it's like a politician just going at like just being the guy who's he's gonna smite our enemies. I tell you what, this is the kind of I feel like ending college or, or sort of growing at least it may be ending your mid 20s there's this progression of growing out of the message board and message board culture right we we now now we must lay down childish things right we, we must we must think about other things in our life besides message board but whenever the aggies lose a few games in a row then i'm back baby I'm, I'm coming home. It's coming home i'm i'm back on orange bloods or wherever i'm like okay let's just check in and see about this seven page thread about tonight's game against Ole Miss. I mean, that, that just, I just, and it's terrible. It's, I'm sitting there just in, I'm like, this is such a waste of mental energy to do this, but I can't help it. I got, I got to check in. I'm not posting, but I got to check in just to see what was said. My wife learned this 
I think in 2013, so it's the second football season we were, we've been dating where we were at a bar without TVs in Brooklyn and Florida was, was locked in a tight one with Georgia Southern. And I just had to like, I couldn't get reception. So I just left the bar. It was November. So it was cold. And I just left went out and stood. No, no, no. I just went outside. I didn't leave the bar like oh, a okay. home. I just stood outside until the game was over. I think they went to overtime in that game and they lost. But it was like, I can't, I need, I need to know, like, I can't miss an embarrassing Gators loss. I can't do it. I can't <laughs> this do it. This is important okay? to me. <laughs> this is important to me. I went back at the bar as soon as the game was over. I was gleeful, but I, I, I cannot. You, you just, you remember those actually more than you remember like the wins of, uh-huh. you know, you, you're not going to do it over. I'm, Miami hasn't won the ACC, so I wouldn't know. But hypothetically, <laughs> an embarrassing loss like that is as good as, as like a, you know, ACC title game appearance. I get more texts about it. I get more texts about the the losses than I do the wins. I'll just say that. All right, buddy. This was great. This is exactly what we wanted. Uh, Press box pod. What do you got going on next week? Well, it's going to be a big one because the movie she said is coming out, which is about the New York times investigation of Harvey Weinstein, which I saw. I never thought I would see, go to a red carpet premiere in Hollywood and see a movie about one of my former coworkers, Jody Cantor way back in the day at Slate. That was something else uh, to see her husband, Ron Lieber there and then see him in the movie portrayed by an actor. Um, So I'm going to hop on the big picture to do talk. She said, and then fantasy is going to come over to press box and we're going to do the top 10 journalism movies. That's amazing. That's red meat. Can you give us, I can't wait. I'm actually, I was going to ask for a preview. I don't want a preview. I just want to listen to it. I'm really excited about this. Thanks, sir. Um, Spotlight is going to be a tough one to rank. It's a tough one, man. I'll tell you. Mm. Mm. Is there a place in the top 10? Mm. <laughs> Listen, is Nightcrawler ahead of it? I mean, there's a, there's a lot, these are tough choices. I don't do many power rankings. Now I understand why. It's hard. All right. See you, buddy. See you.